0: I am not a racist. I am not insensitive to blacks. I have supported civil rights activity in my state. I have done my job with integrity, equality, and fairness for all.
1: Okay, welcome to this week's Attica Shrug—the podcast about uh, politics, culture, things going on in the South this week. Uh, with me again are Chad Watson. Hello, everyone. And David Dykes. Hey. And I'm West Cheek. Uh, so, what's been happening this week, guys? I didn't have a gun pointed at me this week, so that's things are looking up. I yeah. thought
2: you—I thought you went to Florida.
1: Well, I mean, so metaphorically, well, probably literally, there were also guns pointed at me in my vicinity all around me. But I didn't notice it as much. It didn't seem as intentional. Did you go to your dad's house? Speaking of guns, I went to my dad's house. um, And there's only one small crisis. I put uh, the 10-month-old down on the... On, on the ground, and, or on the floor, and my five-year-old started saying, he's eating a cockroach, he's eating a cockroach, and I kind of freaked out, well, first I thought he's lying, or making up a story, so I grabbed the baby, <laughs> I picked him up, and I looked in his mouth, and there was something brown, and I thought, oh my god, he ate a cockroach, so I kind of tossed him at my wife, and say, like, do the Heimlich maneuver, uh, he's eating a cockroach, and no one kind of knows... What I'm talking about, and I like plunge my fingers into his mouth, and I'm trying to yank it out because I imagine that it's like a giant palmetto bug. Um, and then my wife's like, "Why? Why are you throwing the baby at I me? Mean, like, what's happening?" And uh, the five-year-old's running around screaming. And then there's like blood on my fingers because I shoved my fingers in the baby's mouth trying to yank out a cockroach, and uh, the baby's screaming. And then I get the bug, but it's just like a tiny little little bitty. Dead cockroach that he had found like in a crack on the floor, and being a 10 month old, immediately stuck it in his mouth. So it was gross, but not as gross as what was happening in my mind.
2: I forget how much you hate bugs.
1: I hate cockroaches.
0: I thought it yeah. was going to be a bullet, I thought that's what was going to be in
1: his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of smiles at me, and my dad winks at him. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's Probably. my grandson. My dad, he, my dad told me about, you know, how it's best to carry a gun in a gun-free zone, because that's where the crazies hang out. <laughs> yeah,
2: I've, <laughs> I've heard that well. before. Speaking of
1: which, yeah. yeah. It's like, maybe maybe you're one of them. Um, yeah, that was my week. I have a few... I mean, I don't want to make this the uh, Monuments of New Orleans podcast, but we had some more stuff with that. Jeff Davis finally came down this week, which was uh, fun and exciting. Um I got the group text that it was there's all these rumors about when they're going down, but we got the text like that it's coming down tonight, come out. So I drove out there and like my wife's kind of like, Why are you leaving the house at 10 o'clock? I'm like, I don't know, it's like a monument party. She's like, "Ah, that's not good enough. I'm like, it's history? She's like, okay. So (laughs) I went up there. It was pretty good. Like everyone on our side of it was kind of like drinking beer and like hanging out because we're very happy about it. And then there's still some of the crazies are still in town, and they uh, were they they have all these flags. Now one of them is an American flag, half American flag, half Confederate flag that they carry around with them, which makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah. I don't think logic is their strong point. And, no, that's um, not really what
2: flags are about.
1: Yeah, they would periodically um, like march around the monument, or it's all fenced off. They would like, uh, yeah, periodically go and like walk around that, do laps around it, um, and then they looked really happy though, because I think the whole thing is like they think, I still think they think we're really scared of them, or they think they're like agitating us, which I think is the main thing they're in it for. So, but anyway, the monument came down. Um, it took a while to yank it down, but it's it's gone. It got trucked away. I went back in the morning, it wasn't there anymore. So that's Do you what's know where going it's right going. Here. No, it's like a big secret right now. If I had to theorize, I would think that local developer John Cummings is probably paying for it, and they're probably going to the Whitney Plantation, which is the plantation that's uh, somewhat problematic but interesting, uh, which is supposed to be devoted to. Um, telling the history of enslaved peoples at plantations, which is, I think, a good move. I would rather it not be done by an extremely wealthy white developer, but it's interesting that it's being done. So i yeah. that's my suspicion, is that might be where it's going, but I don't know that. Well, okay. So what's happening in Mexico?
2: I showed Spirited Away to uh, some kids at school.
1: So I won't go into the whole thing, but Spirited Away is... There's a lot of really great things written on it, because, you know... Uh, Uh, Miyazaki is not, um, he's not like, he's very much a Marxist, like not a secret Marxist or an alleged Marxist. He like says that pretty openly. And so Spirited Away is kind of looked upon as his most Marxist work. And it has, uh, I think I talked to Chad about this before. It has like a whole, um, kind of sub story that has been dissected many times.
2: Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that. I uh, what I noticed this time through more than ever before. I don't know how much we want to talk about Spirited Away*. Was just that the right. the girl, as obnoxious as she starts out, um, but all along the way, sort of her her superpower is. Not holding stuff against people like um, uh, people say mean things to her, she's still nice to them. Uh, the woman who turns her parents into pigs, she's calling her grandma by the granny by the end of the, um, <laughs> by the end of the movie and all. I just think it's very sweet and it's very good. And she gets to be a hero not by uh, kicking ass, but by understanding everything and everybody and making it all work. So anyway, I showed that, and um,
0: then that's about it. Not much this week, uh, as usual for me. All right, Chad, how are things in Houston? I'm still uh, holding it down. We got the AP AP testing was done. Um, Woo! Star testing is done. Star the state star test. Uh, the uh, that's the state Texas test. So, how done. much are Paul Wall and Scarface involved in that? Um. <laughs> Well, they write it. They uh, they they own um, they own ETS, which is the uh, testing company that that writes the Star Test. Um, But they're not part of the College Board. Um,
1: Yeah, that was MC Hawk was on the College Board.
0: Yeah, it was on the College Board. Rest in peace, MC Hawk. RIP. Um, So that's how we had the the uh, Star Testing, and then mostly that I've been trying to get rid of this cough.
1: Um, well, that's good because I think keeping the cough is best for the podcast if you just keep the cough yeah. it's kind of your signature move at this point yeah I think so even though I edited it out it. And no one hears it the, no your one knows the I have the cough unless you talk about it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. minus, so, minus uh, yeah. the
2: sound of mm-hmm. background dogs and the clinking of ice
1: we well, can just say, I mean, that's Mexico, right? You got a lot of loose ice, and you got a lot of crazy dogs. Yeah, that's pretty and much. And I it. to my, uh, <laughs> yeah. I did talk to my best friend from
0: Tazewell. I was on the phone to to Tazewell, Tennessee, just a few few minutes ago.
1: Your street cred, ripping your street cred.
0: Yeah, and he told me some interesting information about Hancock County. That I, All right. and he said that huh. Hancock County, like his mother. So this is unconfirmed. I've I in the. Thirty minutes since I talked to him I've been unable to confirm this but that, <laughs> that Hancock County uh, votes uh, is strongly democratic and always goes democratic um, hmm. and has and, and so I do not know if that is true or not but um, all of Hancock County is yeah. just
2: old Tazwell
0: <laughs> no you mean Sneed, Sneedville <laughs> you're, you're talking about Sneedville in Hancock County Mm. not Taswell's in Claiborne County and New Uh, Taswell's in Claiborne County oh okay and you guys go hard communist party (laughs) yeah we are uh, very hard like like uh Stalin like they're all Mm -hmm. Stalinists and (laughs) in Tazewell Um, old
1: red Claiborne County is it called yeah yep. old red (laughs) Uh, all right so uh a lot, a lot of crazy stuff has been happening in the news this week. We had, while we were preparing for the show, we also had the, uh, the, the Charlottesville um, Gap ad clan rally this weekend <laughs> uh, featuring Citronella torches from Home Depot, which always go well with white supremacy. So you don't want mosquitoes? Yeah, there that were no mosquitoes. Skin. There were no mosquitoes within a mile of the. Yeah,
0: the problem is the, the mosquitoes room.
2: start mixing blood. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is it. Then they ain't
1: mosquitoes. Um, yeah. So there's that. Like I don't want to do all Monument talk all the time, but there was also a insane, full on, uh, dapper clan rally uh, in Charlottesville. It's interesting what it t- like. We we could do a whole other thing on that, dissecting like the media's kind of love affair with new white supremacists is very interesting. Like describing those guys as dapper is hilarious because they're wearing khakis and white polo shirts. <laughs> it's not that hard. Like every car dealer is dapper. Yeah. And it well, was okay, Robert so, well, Ely. Yeah, right. He well he was dapper. Uh, mm-hmm. He wore a nice feather in his cap. Um, so. What I wanted to think about talking this week was uh, our man Jeff Sessions, uh, the Attorney General, the Attorney General of America, um, has been in the news a lot this week for lots all the great things that he does, all the uh, all the wonderful wonderful ways that he moves our nation forwards. Um, I, exactly what was it this week? This week he's saying that he's going to ask prosecutors to go for the maximum sentences on drug offences, right? Is that it this week? That well and also the
2: fact that he apparently consulted on the firing of Comey after recusing himself or was that last week?
1: That was this week as well. So yeah. Yeah. Our boy Jeff's all up in it. Our boy Um, Jefferson Bull regard sessions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With a name like that, you can't go wrong. I've heard (laughs) some people criticizing it, saying making fun of his name is like saying Barack Hussein Obama. Oh, Uh, "Oh, "Oh, sorry. It's the same, same thing. But I don't, I don't know. I tend, maybe it's where I'm from. But it seems like when someone's parents name them Jefferson Beauregard, and they stick with that, it kind of says something about them. Which is maybe what we're getting at this week. So he should be Jeff Jeff Wayne,
2: Jeff Wayne Sessions. But then he would have he been, been stuck, like, um, um, for domestic abuse or uh, murder.
0: <laughs> JW. What's JW up to now? JW
1: Sessions. JW oh. Sessions. Oh, I got to uh, go bail out there JW. <laughs> he's out there in his Trans Am, speeding through the <laughs> night somewhere. <laughs> JW Sessions. Esquire. <laughs> uh, But, no, so, like, but there's been a lot of commentary this week that I found odd, and it's the same stuff we've been talking about, where it's like, oh, you know, Jeff Sessions kind of as a redneck or a rube, or even hillbilly, as you were noting, that's misused, David, he's definitely not a hillbilly, he's from Selma, um, but... And even I, even I, I got yelled at by uh, Barry Cremens, the comedian who I like very much, on Twitter yesterday, because he was called, he said something to the effect of, Jeff Sessions isn't the bumbling redneck sheriff, he's the uh, the stupid deputy, and I think, I tweeted something back that wasn't particularly humorous, but was like, well, that's, no, no, really, he's like the country club, he's like the guy who really doesn't want to integrate the country club. Yeah. Um, and then Barry Kerman's, Barry Kermans got mad at me and said, Stop ruining my joke. And I said, I'm sorry. I yeah. like you, Barry. But uh, so, <coughs> like a lot like of so jokes, it only talk- works if you have a great deal of distance from it, maybe. Maybe. You're not thinking about it for the podcast this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which that means that means uh, like 75% of America can't do a joke. Um, <laughs> finding out. So. But I kind of want to explore that a little bit and talk about the kind of political culture that Jeff Sessions comes from. And in particular for him, the state of Alabama. But I think that applies to a lot of other southern states where I think it's misread as, uh, you know, Alabama, because it's a poor state. They think that everyone there is poor or that the people who are in control of it are kind of rednecks, kind of country folks, rather than being the kind of patrician elite who've had – control over that state for a long period of time. So thinking about that, there's this great piece that I've read many times over the years by Philip Weiss. that was an Esquire in 1992 called The Most Powerful Fraternity in America. And it's about the machine, what's called The Machine at Alabama, which is an association of fraternities and sororities who unite as a voting block to elect their candidates to student government. And in most places in America, student government I don't think is that important a deal. Um, But Alabama, like almost all of the state politicians and the national politicians, the governors, the elite of Alabama, largely come through the University of Alabama machine. So it's a huge deal there. And I didn't know about any of this until I went to Alabama. And when I got there, it was right after an incident occurred with – Bob Riley, who was going to be the governor, his daughter ran as a anti-machine candidate and had her apartment broken into and stuff burned and was physically threatened until she dropped out of the race. And this was in—they were still at that point trying to get the fraternities and sororities to possibly integrate, and that wasn't happening. So I didn't realize this existed until then. So I'm just curious from you guys, does this kind of exist outside of Alabama, or is this a particular Alabama phenomenon?
0: Do you know
2: about UT, Mm -hmm. Chad?
0: I don't... I mean, that's not really something I heard about at UT. I mean, there are, you know, the more... um, You know, the more powerful fraternities that, like, where they end up going to law school and, like, um, you know, are the kids that can't get into Vanderbilt. Um, (laughs) But I don't really, you know... um, You know, I haven't heard, like, as a powerful, like, in the student government. Like, the student government was always pretty diverse, and there wasn't, like, a strong, I mean, I might be wrong, um, but the, the, it was pretty diverse, and, like, the Greek, the Greek part of, like, that was, like, its own separate, its own separate deal. I mean, that was pretty powerful and did a lot of stuff on campus, but was not, you know, not...
2: Well, S- SGA seemed pretty toothless to me always when I was there. And yeah, um, um, I never really paid any attention to um, what people were went on to or anything like that. And when I went to school there, we had a lot of sort of contempt for the Greek system. but But they were pretty ubiquitous. And then when I was teaching there just a few years ago... It seemed even more so that everybody, essentially everybody, was uh, a Greek or they were a commuter student. And that's not, of course, strictly true, but that's a lot of times how it felt in my classrooms.
0: Hmm, yeah. But
2: even the Greeks had kind of ambi- ambivalent feelings about the system a lot of times. Or maybe they were just sort of telling me what they uh, presumed I wanted to hear. Are they integrated at Tennessee, do you know? The fraternities? Yeah. I'm not sure how much
0: they are. I mean... They they are, they are, but the, I think there's they're integrated, but they're still the traditionally black fraternities mm-hmm. that are still traditionally black. And there are, um, you know, like all the football players are going to be, what is the big fraternity that most... And like the Omegas, like the like the Omega something, um, you know, like most of the football players are going to be a member of that, you know, are gonna the Omega members. Yeah, the, <laughs> are going to are going to be members of like traditionally black fraternities if they're black.
1: Um, but yeah, those are the cool fraternities. In Alabama, they all did the uh, the step shows and had walked around with canes and like bowlers and stuff.
0: Yeah, but those were always the good parties
1: to go to that I I heard. I didn't go to many fraternity parties. (laughs) Why not, Chad? You know, it's funny. My first year of college, I went to VCU in Richmond, and it was the opposite there because, like, VCU is, like, a very urban campus downtown, and, like, Richmond was a great, like, punk rock city at the time. And so, like, the frats were, like, the people who were just getting, like, bullied, (laughs) bullied all the time. Like, I remember being with a bunch of, like, drunk punks, Downtown, who they just decided to go like run into the frat and steal their paddle <laughs> and, and like jump out the window with it. And, like it was like the frats were always just like the the butt of the jokes there. But then in Alabama, you know, they live in these giant multi million dollar mansions on on campus. I think that Alabama owns the land and charges them like a dollar rent a year to live there. So it's a really so even if they're not. How does it work? Either they're not, like, officially part of the university, they're on university land that is heavily, like, subsidized because they don't charge them rent for it. But that's it. a
2: way that they keep some control over them. I think they do that in Tennessee, too, because uh, yeah. I had a student, I don't remember if he—if it was an in-class debate or if it was an actual paper he wrote about how they ought to let them have big underage drinking parties at the yeah. uh, Fraternity houses because that would keep them safe from having to go out to bars. And when I said that, I thought that if you weren't mature enough to leave campus and go to a party <laughs> or leave campus and go to a bar, then probably you weren't mature enough to drink. Yeah. And um, yeah, things kind of went downhill from there. But. Um, um, yeah, they were telling me that the fraternity houses... And also that way they have the power to kick people off campus and stuff where they wouldn't have any control over them at all, I think, if they
1: didn't um,
2: uh, give them a sweet deal, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay, so let me... I'm going to read some of this article and jump in wherever you want. And I'm not going to do the whole thing, but there's this, this really some really great stuff in here. So uh, I'll begin. He begins. This is by Philip Weiss, the most powerful fraternity in America from Esquire... 1992. Real quick, um, control- this is connected
2: yeah. to Jeff Sessions?
1: So I should say about Jeff Sessions, he, as far as I know, was not involved in student government at Alabama. He went to law school at Alabama, not his undergraduate. Okay. Uh, so the reason I put this in here is it, seemed, it, it seems very reflective of this his kind of class. Alabama politics that he came out of yeah. uh, to me. So I wanted to talk about it in that respect. All right. Um, But no, I don't think he I've looked and I can't find any Evidence of him being in student government Okay, so uh, It controls life at the University of Alabama But nobody can see it Its influence extends to the state house But nobody can touch it It stinks of corruption But nobody can smell it It is simply the machine Uh, In the dining room of the Delta Tau Delta House, Chad Green stops and stares hard at the picture of the bearded soldier. Chad is tall and dark with an occasional fierce glare in his eyes, and right now he looks vexed. Abruptly, he turns towards the opposite wall. There are another three portraits of soldiers there, six in all. No, I think that's A.P. Hill, he says with sudden conviction, pointing to the far wall. This one I don't know, but of course that's Jeff Davis, and that is definitely Stonewall Jackson, and that one's got to be A.P. Hill." So we can see already the world that uh, Chad Green lives in. No relation. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> He's kicked out of the association of, of Chads. But uh, these soldiers here is referring to, are, of course, uh, Confederate soldiers that are on the walls of all the frat houses. Um, okay. So the organization Chad won't talk about is a secret society that for 80 years has controlled student politics at the University of Alabama, The Machine. Its real name is Theta Nu Epsilon, whose Greek letters spell. Oh, well, and, and it acts as the political arm of 27 leading fraternities and sororities at the school. So, yeah, so this is this one uh, organization that controls the voting block of, of the Greek societies. Um, on Election Day in February, the machine buses its voters to the polls and penalizes people who don't vote. Almost all the time, it wins. On election night, it spends a chunk of its $27,000 secret budget on a blowout party at the J.C. Fairgrounds. (laughs) So, it's $27,000 in 1992 it has for its um, election night budget. Jeez. All right. So, the machine is said to share roots with Skull and Bones of Yale, but it has more of an impact on its campus than its northern cousin. Greeks make up only 20% of the 19,000-member student body, but they manage to control almost all student government offices, and along with that, a student activity fee budget of more than $300,000, which I'm sure is much more now. Uh, But what's most striking about the machine is the extent of its influence. U.S. Senator Richard Shelby of Alabama is said to be a former machine president, the machine's power lies not only in the people, it turns out, but in the lessons it offers on how power is won and wielded. Indeed, it has helped remake state politics in its own shadowy image. Uh, so this is where I start seeing it kind of apply to Jeff Sessions and people like him who come out of uh, political power in Alabama. Um so we kind of see them as these kind of reckless rednecks, racist rednecks that are just kind of part of a good old boy network. We're misunderstanding that they're really these kind of patrician uh, elites who come out of this system where they are very much controlling the way politics works, at least on campus. All right. So let me go into a little bit more of what this is. The machine today faces a crisis involving race. Though they leave university land, oh, they lease university land, the Greek organizations are segregated. The blacks I saw inside the white Greek houses over 10 days at Alabama were blowing on horns in the band at a fraternity party, are carrying boxes of frozen vegetables to the kitchen. It's an embarrassing situation in a state that is more than 25% black. The university is trying to force integration, but it has met enormous resistance from Chad and others who justify their segregation by invoking the great traditions of Greek life at Alabama." So, yeah, and so they're invoking, this is 1992, right? And I should say, I I kept looking, because I know when I was there, they weren't integrated, and I kept looking to see if they were integrated now, and I found one article saying that sororities were finally integrated three years ago, so in 2014, I think. Okay. Or thereabouts, and I don't know about fraternities. But this seems to me to be a very familiar scene of kind of the political and societal situation in Alabama where uh, African Americans are allowed certain roles and then to the extent that they're not allowed other roles there's an appeal made to great traditions.
2: Yeah, well, one mm-hmm. the great tradition that's epitomized by a picture of Jeff, Jeff Davis on your wall hanging on the wall. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's like I think
1: and only right. I'm not
2: it? sure about the exactly how to parse the difference <laughs> between the rednecks and the patricians because, you know, I suppose if we went back far enough, we could talk about Snopes and Sartoruses. Um, right. But the thing is that the Snopes is, that like you find from, this is from Faulkner, from the Snopes trilogy, by the end of uh, the trilogy, the Snopes have sort of become the Sartoruses and they become snobs. To keep from getting sucked back down to the uh, sawmill and to their red clay roots. And they've started, um, you know, living in gated communities and things like that. Uh, and certainly in Tennessee, in Knoxville, my sister used to do a lot of catering, and she always claimed that the um, uh, rich people in Knoxville were notorious for pocketing spoons. So that maybe you can maybe you can take people out of the um uh um mobile home park, but you can't take the mobile home park out of the people I
0: don't know yeah. you you can't get above your raisin, don't get above your raisin
1: <laughs> indeed yeah yeah, but you know and i yeah I think there is a certain uh, there's certain mobility allowed to certain people right there's economic mobility allowed to certain people uh And we can see here, like, that doesn't apply to African-Americans in the least, right? Um, All right, let me go a little bit further. Okay. Okay, so this um, this is a candidate, Trey Boston, a candidate for the student government president says, If you look at the list of men and now a woman who have been endorsed by the machine and elected SGA president at the University of Alabama, you see U.S. senators, you see congressmen. You see doctors, you see lawyers, you see businessmen, you see people that when I consider that my name is going to be thrown on the bottom of that list, it's like, what am I doing here? No wonder he spent $8,000 on his campaign. So he's someone who personally spent $8,000 running to be SGA president of Alabama because it guarantees him a certain amount of social status after he graduates. All right, so here, this uh, is depicting, now he's on sorority row. He's at a sorority house. I think this scene's great. Okay, so the Chi Omega House on Sorority Row feels like the home of a rich and elegant couple. Out back, there are topiary bushes. In the window, a fresh flower arrangement. The living room has a grand piano and a bronze bust of a girl, Miss Margaret. The house mother is from Tupelo, Mississippi, but she smiles stiffly when you mention that that's Elvis's hometown. He was a nice boy, but he was country. She says. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. I'm the guest of Stephanie Miller, a pretty and delicate senior with shoulder-length blonde hair. She's an appointee of machine back President Boston. I saw her frowning during the debate over the Fantasy Games Club. She shows me the composites, the poster-sized photo rosters of sorority members, and points out the small-town girls with big hair, girls whose fathers might own half of towns like Jasper or Op, but who developed unfortunate habits growing up where they did. Their sorority sisters gently break them into more sophisticated ways. So here, yeah, you're starting to see the beginning of that social mobility that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, right. And uh, yeah, this, I, I drive through op anywhere I have to get north of Florida. So it's nice to see op mentioned in print. Ups to op. Ups to op. Um, OPP, as it's affectionately called. Uh, Anyway, uh, all right. So let me go a little bit more about the machine. The machine took root at Alabama 100 years ago with something of the same idea about politics. Disputes should take place behind closed doors. The boys who started the fraternity nationally thought it unseemly that fraternity men would fight openly for campus leadership positions. And yet fraternities regularly got into terrible squabbles, often of a snobbish variety. The organization was never supposed to take credit for its good works. So this is how they organize a political system to be where a pre-selected number of elite people were to decide what was going to happen before it was ever taken public. So you have this kind of elite control behind closed doors as the kind of model. And these are the people that are going on to be senators, governors, and representatives from Alabama. All right. Yeah. Uh, so more more about tradition. He does tell me a little—this is back—they're talking about Christopher Boo Houghton, the Kappa Alpha president. He does tell me a little more, bit more about tradition. Greek life goes back to the time after the Civil War, he says, when the plantation owners sought a place closer than Europe for their boys to learn how to conduct themselves. Boo grew up in Haleyville, a town of 5,000. He's from Old Money and says so openly— Southerners are a very proud people, Boo says. My grandmother tells stories of her mother being a child and throwing day-old biscuits at Union soldiers, walking by their house in Pineapple, Alabama. He shakes his (laughs) head. That sends sends chills up my spine to think of that, any association with that war, with what they wanted and what they went through. So I've read that paragraph about ten times. I cannot figure out who is he talking about. Yeah,
2: it's... um,
1: it's just chills up my spine to think of that. What they wanted and what they went through. Yeah, I'm. I don't, I don't know who, who. You mean who is they? Who is they? The his Confederate grandmother, our great grandmother, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Or is he talking about
0: uh, just not being being associated with the civil being associated with the civil war
1: in any way? You would think that it seems like he like the first time I read him, like oh he feels like weird being associated with the Civil War, but then he also has uh, pictures of Confederate generals hanging all Everywhere. around his uh, his room. Think, yeah, I'd hate to be associated with that war.
0: <laughs> I know. I
2: think that um, uh, yeah. For one thing, it's hard to know what to say to the press when you're living this. Um, sort of um, uh, romanticizing the Confederate sort of uh, like a lot of those I remember the KAs were especially connected with uh, the rebel flag
1: yeah so he, it talks about the Kappa Alpha has, house has a rebel flag hanging from it mm-hmm. it says in here yeah.
2: I didn't know a lot about uh, fraternities but my first semester ever I actually had a roommate who was a former uh, fraternity member Uh, And he was, yeah, he hung out with them. They would still come by and pick him up to go out and drink and stuff. And uh, I remember the, the Confederate flag thing, which I
1: didn't have very
2: strong feelings about at the time,
1: just seemed weird. Okay, so he continues to go to talk to these guys. He's back to talking to Chad Green here. So, Chad Green tells me to meet him at the Delt House so we can go to lunch. It's a day when defiance of the school's accreditation plan is at a fever pitch. The opponents have called a press conference to denounce the plan. Meanwhile, the university has hosted a forum on the blackface incident, at which a lot of independent students vented their anger toward the Greeks. This is referring to a party that happened where you're, the, theme, the theme of the party was people who ride the bus— and two sorority girls put on blackface and put basketballs under their shirts to appear pregnant and went to the party. And uh, throughout this article, the fraternities and sororities are kind of astonished that uh, people were offended by this.
2: Um, uh, I mean, it just seems completely unrealistic to me that people in blackface would ride the bus. would be scared. I mean, maybe some bus, <laughs> uh, maybe like the game bus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, I find Chad on the porch. He walks me out to a 10-year-old Impala and clears the seat of videotape so I can get in. There are golf clubs in the back. But the chivalrous ideas Chad says he's proud to have absorbed in the Greek system stop at the back fender. A bumper sticker says, boycott Jane Fonda, American trader bitch. So it's a kind of dated reference in here. Anyway. That's
0: even dated. Yeah, that was dated in 1992. And I
2: wonder
0: if that... <laughs> it was Chad in
1: Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. I think he was. Yeah. Uh, we go to a sandwich place on the strip a block from campus and talk about the blackface incident. Chad had publicly condemned the girls' costumes, but between bites he says, not that they did anything wrong. Many Greeks share that feeling. Privately they say the Kappa Delta pledges were just trying to be creative. Maybe they weren't the prettiest girls, so they found a different way of getting attention. <laughs> one Sid <laughs> Mackay said... <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing Mackay said, it's not like they woke up that morning and thought, how am I going to insult N-words today? It doesn't say N-words, though. This is 1992. Those are the parts that are kind of, to me, very interesting about this. like the racial dialogue in 1992 is uh, very different than the one today, what people will say openly on here. Yeah. Um, um, but this kind of whole mindset, uh, it's been so weird the last few months. It seems like it's, this is kind of the mindset that holds a lot of political power right now, right? Like, I like i don't know why I have to apologize about this. If people just wouldn't get upset about it, it wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Exactly. We're not, yeah, we're not going anywhere. We didn't do anything wrong. It's not our fault that, that oppression happened in the past. Like, I don't know. Why are people just getting worked up about this stuff? All right, so here we go. I'll, we'll finish, get towards the end of it here. So Chad is upset the university didn't deal with the Katie's privately. That's the way the machine likes to treat disputes. I would have handled it discreetly, he says, Bring in the parties involved. Instead, it went public and everything got blown out of proportion. Uh, later, I head over to the Kappa Alpha home of Boo Houghton. It's about 5 p.m., and the guys seemed to have made a half-hearted effort to clean up after a party. On the shelf under the portrait of Robert E. Lee, empty bud bottles are jammed into used <laughs> plastic cups. Um, Some things never change Some things never change Boo believes it will be a while before blacks are included I'd love to be president when there's one who's right He says He seems sincere (laughs) But I don't see it in the next five years I'd love to give him a break Someone who really really wants to be a K.A. Billy Ray says Someone who's not racist And his statement reminds me of the fears on all sides Among kids that age The whites who scare when they see a black guy wearing an X hat This is dated Um, (laughs) Someone who appreciates Southern heritage, Boo goes on. Someone with the same view I have, that there's N-words, and there's blacks, and there's rednecks and white people. Billy Ray agrees. Of course we can all be rednecks when we want to be, he says. Boo nods. Walk out and pee on the dirt, he says. Cuss. (laughs) 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 They, They both say integration has to be voluntary. Otherwise there would be so many hazing violations out of hatred, Boo says, trying to run them off. Um, I find it I hard I'm to believe way out. that I can't
2: mm-hmm. find anybody whose name's not Billy, Ray, and Boo.
0: <laughs> 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 well, those are not actually their real names. Those yeah. are just names. Those are names to uh, protect, protect their... Their real protect, names protect are Jimmy, Ray, and Cooter. Jimmy, Ray, and Cooter.
1: Cooter, Jr. And then a guy actually named Junior on his birthday certificate. He just <laughs> says Junior. And then then Trey. Um, yeah. Beauregard, Jefferson, the third. <laughs> yeah. Trey. Um, all right. So uh, I'm on my way out when I mention a story I've heard about someone who wore blackface to portray Rosa Parks. They haven't heard of it, but it reminds Billy Ray of something. He turns to Boo. Hey, did you know that Rosa Parks was Claude's daddy's maid, he says? (laughs) Holy moly. Yeah, Um, exactly. There's so many layers to that one, too, because I read it a few times before I realized the thing that made him remember Rosa Parks was discussing the people wearing blackface at the party. Yeah. Um, But I think this whole dialogue, like, about... Yeah, I, I I think these people probably feel that they're not racist at all, right? It's like, I, yeah, I'd love for there to be a black member of the fraternity, but he's got to love our heritage and he's got to, you know, he's got to understand. He's got he's got to understand black people in the same way we do, right? That there's there's good ones and bad ones.
2: Yeah. Well, and and that's an old once, old
1: dialogue that we've all
2: heard,
0: and I don't know. if... Yeah, we've all heard that speech. I don't
2: know if growing uh, growing up in the South is the only place that you hear it. Or if it's all over, but I know that in the South you hear that distinction a lot uh, from racists who heard want that to speech. pretend that they're not racist.
1: And everyone who says it to you, and I've heard it a lot, uh, says it really sincerely, like they're just they've just thought of this and it's really important to them that they're going to relay it to you. Yeah, someday. Yeah, and I've I've heard it recently. I've heard it like in the last year, I think. I think if you want to get a look at
2: um, a, a kind of sanitized but still kind of interesting look at the people who actually run the South, uh, you can find a lot of that in uh, Pat Conroy's stuff. Like the people who oh, yeah. people who go to the Citadel, uh, and of course Pat Conroy has a sort of enlightened view of things. And, uh, you know, starting with The Water is Wide and One Thing and Another, like a very kind of, Mm. uh, certainly for the time, enlightened view of race relations and things like that. But, um, you know, Virginia lawyers and um, uh, Tidewater lawyers particularly and John Grisham types and things like that, but they don't show them you know, they don't, in the fictionalized versions of them, there are Jews in the Country Club.
1: Right. Well, I think um, Conroy's great. I, lo- I would love to do a whole episode about Conroy because I think he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You, I think because his, his books were so mass consumed, like sometimes people don't take him as seriously, but he's a really good writer. and and I like the water is wide. I like Prince of Tides. I like all its stuff. Yeah,
2: I've got. I'm not. The, I have nothing really critical to say about him, except that I think that what he was driving at wasn't. Um, uh, aside from the water is wide, was much more about personal demons and about powers, uh, power and fathers, and all this stuff more than about um, um, civil justice. Uh, although he certainly doesn't shy from too far from that.
1: Right. And he was also someone who was kind of set to be part of this elite and kind of rejected it intentionally.
2: Mm hmm.
1: Like, he has the one piece, I think it's a short essay about, isn't it, about um, his class ring, his Citadel class ring?
2: Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I
1: don't know. It's, well, because, you know, he was the Vietnam era Citadel. Mm hmm. And he was against the war. And he, I think he either gave his ring back or put it up somewhere, but. He kind of talks about like how a lot of his class, like you know, died in Vietnam, and the rest went on to be kind of the, the gentry of that area.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't get the Citadel is uh, uh, like a lot of um, sort of exclusive and elitist institutions. Um, it's, it took him a long time to integrate and then further integrate and cross a gender barrier and one thing or another. But um, you know, I think that there's a kind of um, desire not to come off as cretins. And it, it has to do with PR as much as anything else. that, that can actually influence institutions like that. That when the society moves yeah. a certain point to, to a certain point, they're not like something like Bob Jones University, which can uh, hold on to whatever, antediluvian ideas they want to because right. nobody's going to respect them anyway but with the citadel or whatever like these uh, uh, and country clubs a lot of times um they they have to give into uh, uh, popular popular notions of what's right given time
1: yeah i think you definitely have the citadel the masters tournament the uh any of the ones that have to have both a public reputation and, a, and this private support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Bob Jones is kind of past shame at this point, right? Liberty University, Bob Jones University aren't really, aren't really afraid of the shame.
2: Uh, yeah. um, where Sessions went to, his undergraduate is from Huntington College. Huntington. And, in in yeah. Montgomery. Yes. And it was all white yes. when he went there. and integrated in his senior year when he was the student body uh, president. Yeah. Um, and he had to do Rat Week, which sounds a lot like Frat Week, uh, because they um, uh, had to go through, like, kind of public hazing of eating uh, raw eggs and uh, oysters and hot peppers together and uh, things like that. This is all from a uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, article that I found... Uh, Called for Trump's AG nominee Jeff Sessions' race is great battle not fought.
1: Yeah, uh, so I was going to get to that in a minute, but yeah, so yes, he definitely has that. You know, yeah, Alabama law school is also a hotbed of these fruit loops. That's like Joe Scarborough is a product of the Alabama. Oh, okay. My former congressman, yeah, <laughs> complete shithead, complete shitty human being, Joe Scarborough. How he has deluded people into making him a television star, I will never figure out. Well, I think Tennessee
2: Um, and, um, well, maybe, you know, Tennessee, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, they all have horrible politicians. And Georgia, to a certain degree, has Newt and uh, Saxby Chambliss, who
1: is probably at the very bottom of the Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Saxby Chambliss. He's being smushed beneath the barrel. <laughs> I know Florida, we alternate. Florida, we have, we have Rick Scott, who's an evil space lizard. Uh, but then we also had Lawton Childs, who was a complete weird. Do you know, like, a Lawton Childs story about the, uh, the, the ghost coon? Is he the ghost coon? The ghost coon. <laughs> the he coon. The he coon comes out at midnight. Oh, I don't know anything about
2: that. <laughs>
1: but I would love <laughs> when to know. His first debate <laughs> with Jeb Bush. He was going to lose to Jeb Bush, and um, uh, they're talking about him losing in the debate on TV, and Lawton will said, well, everyone knows that the he Coon comes out around midnight or something like that. And this was his – he's a real Florida cracker uh, in many ways. But Florida cracker means like a settler of Florida, and there's this whole <laughs> old story about the he and so he was appealing to this like base of support among like this old-style Florida frontier settler. Oh, I have
2: no
0: idea what that's all
2: about. Yeah, i have never heard this ex- weird expression before.
1: The wisest member of a
0: pack of raccoons. If you yeah. Google, if you Google <laughs> hecoon, there is a the top the top hit is the hecoon who changed Jeb Bush's political career. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: In you know, Florida we're, it's interesting and we have um, you know we have Bob Graham. Uh, and we have, uh, right now, we got Bill Nelson, the astronaut. we got a Democratic senator who's an astronaut. We had Janet Reno.
2: Well, it's an you know? odd, it's a diverse state, you know, with a lot of immigrants, a lot of, um, uh, yeah, just a lot of different ideas. I think beach culture is... A lot of Jimmy Buffett.
1: And and a, lot of he, a lot of he-coons. A lot of he-coons. <laughs> we have both Jimmy Buffett and, and Leonard Skinner. <laughs> And uh, isn't Tom Petty from... Is Tom Petty from Tom Petty. We have both Tom Petty and Rick Ross. And we have Gloria Estefan and the two live crew. Mm Mm-hmm. Disney Uh, World and the Universal Studios. All of it, Shamu. So, okay, I'm going to (laughs) finish these two two last things uh, out of this article. One is just the punchline on it is too good. There's... um, They talk about how the alumni is a big problem. There's an alumni named Charles McPherson, and he thinks the Greek system's dying. So he hired a hearse to ride in like this parade, Uh, and he says McPherson's ideas of Greek diversity seem to reflect that range. We could deal with a guy from Baltimore, he says, a guy from Maine, or a guy who was super rich, a guy on scholarship. Uh, more diversity than that makes him uncomfortable. Black fraternities, he points out, have very different traditions. They don't allow alcohol at their parties. They place a greater emphasis on achievement and service than do white fraternities. <laughs> <laughs> so that's his problem with them. They don't drink enough and they place too much priority on achievement and service. Um, so here's just just to finish it up. It just says, uh, the machine is an... It's the academy for people going into state politics, so it's part of the problem. Uh, Greeks leave Tuscaloosa with too many of the wrong friends to ever be effective reformers. They aren't going to campaign against the network they raise money from. Uh, and the machine's an unaccountable group of people meeting in back room as kingmakers. So he kind of puts out that this is this is the the political model that the leaders of Alabama take forwards. And he says, no wonder Alabama is alone among the deep south states and never having elected a new south governor. I think that still holds true. Uh, and then he also makes a point, it's very interesting, that there are two of the most powerful Alabama politicians ever came out of Alabama but were not in the Greek system. One of those was Claude Pepper, and one was uh, Wallace, George Wallace. And so George Wallace was kind of, um, he, was, he grew up really poor, and so he felt ostracized by this whole system, but was kind of a talented enough politician to take that kind of anger at being on the outside of this elite structure and turn it against the system for a very effective political gain. So that's about the machine politics at Alabama, uh, which I think reflects a lot of how this kind of elite societal structure of politics happens in the South that I see anyway. And I see it less in Florida than I do in Alabama. So I don't know if it's an Alabama thing, If it applies to Georgia. It seems to apply to Georgia to me. It seems to apply to Louisiana to me, but I don't know those places as well.
2: Yeah. Tennessee, I think, not quite as much. Um, I think the the, the difference between Tennessee and Chechnya is basically the federal government. (laughs) You know, it's like it's (laughs) balkanized. It's uh, uh, divided up with East, Middle, and West Tennessee uh, I think that it's very hard to go too low for the Tennessee electorate to not vote for you. Um, there's a story that we actually talked about a little bit before uh, when we were uh, deciding what to talk about in the podcast, but uh, about uh, the Tennessee senator, state senator, Mark Green, who was... Um, um, nominated for, or was going to be, I'm not sure if he was nominated yet, for army secretary who withdrew his nomination on Friday. Right? Yeah, he Um, was nominated. He was nominated. Because he um, basically said horrible, slanderous things about Muslims, gay people, and transgendered people. And, um, of course, he's being held up as... So, the, his statement, he says, Tragically, my life of public service and my Christian beliefs have been mischaracterized and attacked by a few on the other side of the aisle for political gain. Uh, and he deeply regrets dropping out. And the thing is, it's like, they weren't
1: mischaracterized. They just said what he said. And... Um, yeah, I... I read his quote where he said they've been mischaracterized, and I started trying to look them up to find what had been mischaracterized, and it was essentially just what he said was the problem.
2: Yeah. Which is not surprising, you know.
1: Like, I didn't pick Chechnya by
2: accident since they're putting gay people in concentration camps. I think this guy would do that. Like, it would get to that point anyway.
0: Concentration centers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just places <laughs> to sit
0: around and
1: think intensely. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Concentrate. Focus. Focus. Mm.
0: Focus. On oh, what you've done.
1: Well, so what is kind of what is Green's story? Like what did he where where is what did he come from? Um, I mean he's just a fairly typical
2: Tennessee politician, you know? It's uh, uh I mean certainly I wouldn't say that um it's completely typical. There are a lot of great politicians from Tennessee. Tennessee has a long tradition of really great politics as well as really horrible politics. But he's a certain type of politician that runs as a Tea Party candidate and uh, runs mostly on issues that he doesn't have any say so in anyway. Like gay marriage, it was decided by the Supreme Court. You can be a state senator all you want, and you can't bring back a ban on gay marriage. But you can still run on
0: banning gay marriage. Um, And he's also, I mean, he was like a military guy for a little while. And didn't he was, um, got into like the medical business? Like didn't medical, some kind of like outsourcing medical billing or something was like his... His business until he ran for um, State Senate, I think. I'm not sure about that,
2: but it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, he like did, but he was a like,
2: combat vet, you know. Uh, his yeah, CEO, yeah, I mean, I I, he dick, was CEO of, of Align MD, which provides leadership and staffing to emergency departments and hospitals, according to the White House. This is all from. Um, Um, Deseret News, US and World. I'm not sure what that is, but...
1: So he must have not just been misconstrued, because he was opposed by the ACLU... Okay, he was opposed by the ACLU, Human Rights Campaign, NAACP, and numerous Muslim groups. So I don't think it was just a mischaracterization. I mean, there's
0: two sides to every story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Equally true. Man. It's also interesting, his district... Because it's in Clark- Clarksville, like a lot of his constituents are people stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, but I guess live in Tennessee and commute.
0: Oh, I guess that would be north, like that would be kind of north, yeah, like north, mm-hmm. north central, is that north central Tennessee?
1: Yeah. <coughs> so we've been talking about these, these crappy southern politicians, uh, so I wanted to talk briefly about some really great stuff that's been going on. In Southern politics, we wanted to talk about the last few weeks, but we didn't really get a chance. So a few of those things are... One is that uh, Jackson, Mississippi, had their mayoral primaries, and uh, Lumumba won. I don't know if you guys were following that race. Chakwe Lumumba, whose father had run for mayor, but uh, passed away, I think, before Mm -hmm. he could take office. And then his son, Chakwe Lumumba... Uh, won the primaries, which pretty much means that he has won because there aren't enough Republican voters, I don't think, in Jackson uh, right, for him yeah. to oppose him. So what's interesting about him to me is not that he's just a young Democrat running for office. He's very much a leftist and is part of uh, you know a collective, like a radical leftist collective uh in Jackson. And he's kind of very openly that and won this mayoral primary. I think that's a very good sign. Yeah. Well, I,
2: th- I think um, I mentioned and, this and last week that uh, that I really do think that if you just put together the right coalitions in the South that mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the our states wouldn't be nearly as red.
1: No, I think that's absolutely true. And that's why I'm kind of talking about this article is because Um, You know, the cities in the South are very much Democratic cities for the most part, like almost with very few exceptions. Mm -hmm. And they're also majority African-American cities. And so it seems like if you run candidates like this that are really right on leftist guys, you have a very good chance to win. Well, I say guys, women are included in that. Leftist people, uh, you have a very good chance to win. And so it seems like too much... Of the time, we try to run these kind of third-way, you know, James Carville Democrats and hope that that's going to work out. But I think we're seeing these cases that there are other ways to do it, very effective ways. And we also have Khalid Kamau uh, in the South Fulton District in Georgia for city council, who is a Democratic Socialist of America, DSA member, um, who won election there. So we're starting to see these, these kind of electoral results from uh, people of color, young leftists in the South, which I think is a great sign.
2: Well, especially that it's building from the, the ground up. I mean, that's one of the things that I, an argument that I had over and over again during the last presidential election, the idea mm-hmm. that you can start from the top and then reform the political system down from there Um, Mm, rather than building coalitions and um, uh, organizing communities and one thing and another uh, from the ground up. Because until you can reverse some gerrymandering, until you have a base that will show up, until you have people who have seen uh, Greens and Socialists and uh, Liberal Democrats doing things for them at the local level, then it's very hard to get them to change the Senate. Um, um, You know, it's like, that's what I said about Bernie Sanders was, I really want him to win, but if he does, he'll definitely have his work cut out for him because he can't even get the Democrats behind him because he's to the left of them and he only became a Democrat right before the election and he just didn't have the coalition in place yet. And that if we really want to change politics, we start the same way that um, um, conservatives do and did uh, from the
1: ground up. Yeah, take over everything, which was their strategy from the late 70s forward. Yeah. Like, if there's an election, run for it. If there's dog catcher, run for it. Run, get on the school board. Get on the city council. Uh, and Democrats have been really negligent about building a bench like that, especially in the South, where they think that they're not allowed to run. Yeah, which right. It's infuriating. But I, I, think, heard, uh, I think on... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say,
2: I think that uh, more and more people are starting to... Uh, are are very alarmed by national politics and are becoming more involved in local politics, judging by what I read, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Saying that you're going to run and running are different things.
0: Different things. Right.
1: So, um, yeah, and also, so the... In Jackson, kind of the background... Um, Lumumba came out of it, is this cooperation Jackson is a workers cooperative in Jackson, and it's an interesting model for me because Mississippi, the state, even though they're one of the poorest states in America, have been just enacting legislation that harms the poor for a while. They're passing huge tax breaks, um, not funding services that go to poor people, not funding education. Uh, they're even trying like the state legislature tried to do like they did in, in Michigan and have an emergency manager that would just take over the city of Jackson and so they've been kind of pushing back against this uh, by forming their own coalitions and working within the city and kind of helping people out at the grassroots level so I think that model is very effective but we're seeing the other model too so you have who is it Ossoff, Ossoff in Georgia who is up for Price's old seat and he's kind of the traditional, I think, Hillary Clinton kind of third way Democrat, James Carville Democrat running there. But that's a different kind of district. It's kind of a suburban, suburban, yeah, high income, yeah, yeah conservative, well, high income, very white district, I think. That he's running for, so uh yeah, it goes without saying i I hope he wins, but um, I don't know if I can group it in with these others, but maybe it takes what it takes in each district to start to start doing or do you
0: know sex. what is the uh the guy in Montana like the folk singer that's um the socialist
1: singing cowboy and <laughs> <laughs> but he's I think the controversy there is right he's not receiving that much like national support right right yeah.
0: And that's traffic. like he's actually pretty. Po- I guess a Montana, Montana. He's sort of like. A, is it Rob Quist? Is that who it is? Yeah, Rob. Qu- yeah, that's it, Rob Quist. Um, and it's he's related to kind of Kinky Friedman. He's uh, like, like sort of like a Kinky.
2: Actually kinky related Friedman. or just
0: Kinky no, no, Friedman esque uh, Kinky Friedman esque oh, okay. is what he's been.
1: Hmm. But I think he's yeah. a little bit more substantive than Kinky
0: Friedman. Yeah, yeah, actually didn't. yeah, more sub yeah, more substantive Kinky Friedman. Like Kinky Friedman if he
1: actually uh cared about politics. Yeah, cared about politics. <laughs> um, so. right, but th- yeah. And so so from the um the DSA group here in New Orleans, we're thinking about going up to Jackson to kind of look at the uh cooperative there and see like what kind of lessons can be learned from from that. It seems interesting to me. Uh, but, I mean, that model, I feels like that's, that's kind of part of a frustration that I have. Is I feel like so much progress in leftist politics and democratic politics is made in the South and gets kind of ignored by the kind of power brokers in the party. And I also feel that they take it for granted because I feel that Maybe it's just me having a persecution complex, but I feel like that that here we have to fight so much harder for this stuff, and so there's real lessons learned on the ground about how to go out and fight for this stuff and try to win, uh, and that maybe that doesn't exist everywhere when you don't feel like you're under siege the whole time.
2: Well, if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna win electoral victories, you have to have somebody outside of the city voting
1: for you. Yeah, true. Um, Okay, so we are running short on time. Should we do Um, this New York Times opinion piece, or should we save it? I got
2: the Out With a Bang article here.
1: Okay, so here we go. (laughs) Let's go for this week, since we've done a lot of monuments. Let's go to a very interesting piece called Out With a Bang. I'll send this one over to you, David. Um, Well, this comes from uh, the latest uh, uh, issue of Harper's
2: Magazine, And they call it out with a bang. But it comes from the website of a thing called Holy Smoke, a memorial services company based in Alabama. So it has the southern angle. And you'll see there's a few other uh, subtle southern uh, motifs in the story. It's not too long, so I'll just read it out here. Several years ago, I was talking with my friend and coworker. We were discussing the passing of one of our relatives, and the conversation turned to our own demise and whether we preferred burial or cremation. I told my friend that I had some costs and ecological issues with burial and that I thought I wanted to be cremated and have my ashes tossed into a river or spread through the woods. My friend said, I've thought about this for some time and I want to be cremated. I want my ashes put into some turkey-load shotgun shells, and to have someone that knows how to turkey hunt shoot a turkey with my ashes. That way I will rest in peace knowing
1: that the last
2: thing that turkey will see is me screaming at him at about 900
1: feet per second. Does a turkey have time to contemplate all that? Can a turkey process information this quickly? They're
2: very contemplative
0: creatures. Turkeys are. Oh my
1: god, it's Billy. He's coming and, right at me. Well, and they they're ex-
0: kind of like Neo. They're kind of like Neo in the <laughs> Matrix, where they can see everything coming at them very slowly. <laughs> and they can see that it's actually uh but shot not, filled with ash. They're not as nimble, so they don't actually get out of yeah. the
2: way. They just see it coming. <laughs> and there's a story that turkeys, it, when it rains on them, will look up and drown. But I'm not sure that that's true. I don't understand how wild turkeys haven't died
1: out a long time ago. Well, it never rains in turkey country.
2: Um, Well, and this guy goes on to say, I realized that my friend was describing almost exactly how I wanted my ashes to be spread. (laughs) They're soulmates. soulmates. And that's when I realized that we were in love. (laughs) How perfect to have my family and friends honor me by using shotgun shells with a little bit of my ashes in each one. Whether my shells get shot at sporting clays or live birds or put on a shelf, even in death, I could be ecologically sound and useful.
1: Or accidentally murdering grandpa when I think he's an intruder.
2: We started a company that can take your or your loved one's ashes and offer an eco-friendly way to spread or use those ashes while conducting a favorite activity. We can place the ashes <laughs> of your loved ones into almost any caliber or gauge of ammunition.
1: You can have peace of mind. <laughs>
2: Battleship. Yeah. You can have peace of mind knowing that you can continue to protect your home and family even after you are gone. From turkeys? <laughs>
1: <laughs> From turkey. I'm, I'm very. I think it's great though that uh, his first thought was, "I want someone who knows how to shoot turkeys to handle this," because you wouldn't <laughs> want someone to improperly fire your ashes. Yeah, yeah. the after uh,
0: you don't want them. Uh, you don't want them uh, yeah, using a improper uh, technique or be unsafe. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, they just accidentally. Yeah, they just shoot into a tree. Your last act. Well, the getting shot into the, the two things
2: I thought of were well, first I guess. Uh, the Sarah Vowell piece where she goes with her father out to shoot the cannon, which oh, is a great, a beautiful piece about being fired out of a cannon. But um, um, then also I was thinking, would they bring that turkey home and eat it then? Since he's saying it's very ecologically friendly. In which case, wouldn't it be kind of cannibalism? Um,
1: tasty spiritual cannibalism. That's right. Salted
2: with, uh, with Grandpa's
0: ashes.
1: Oh, Grandpa Mm. never tasted Mm. so good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can taste the Grandpa. Mm. (laughs) Oh, uh, Oh, what's that? It's a piece of turkey. That's not a turkey bone. (laughs) That's that's a Grandpa grandpa bone fragment. (laughs) I want
1: my ashes put in birdshot shells and fired at civil rights activists. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, uh, any African-American person that comes to my door after they've had a car accident.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's funny, these two guys, like any... this. So this story, uh, it's already got the... And I don't even know who wrote this, but it's got the conservative story, like kind of the latent thing that's in all of it, where... The people are completely dishonest about who they are in the story. Like, they're walking through the forest. One of them thinks something that's the most batshit insane thing. Like, I would like my ashes put in a shotgun shell and fired at a turkey. And the other one turns to him and says, I was just thinking the exact same thing. I want my I want my
2: ashes um, uh, stuffed into a cockroach and left on Butch's floor for your kids to (laughs)
1: eat. No! (laughs) Uh, Oh. Oh. Oh, God. I just was picturing it. I was picturing the roach in his mouth. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, all right. Jesus. Well, I guess that, that takes traumatic. us full circle. Mm-hmm. It takes us. We yeah. brought it all the way around. We did a U-turn with the 18-wheeler. Um, <laughs> we did. Okay. So, so that is the end of the podcast for this week. Thank you, Chad. You're welcome. Thank you, David. We'll see Thanks. all of you next week. God willing in the in the Creek Don't Rise. Creek see you rise. next time. Yeah, see ya.
2: Night. Yeah. Um